0: Hey everybody, it's Jason from the Board Game Mechanics. Um, I'm flying solo today. There's no Joel. He had a few things from life that just happened to keep him away from the microphone today. So yeah, I'll be here. Um, We're going to do a quick intro and some news. Then I'm going to grab a few clips from past shows that I really think are cool. And I'm going to kind of make a a BGM greatest hits of sorts. So we'll see how that pans out. But I want to go over some news. I'm going to do some house cleaning things and then... You'll hear some cool bits that I have. So first thing is the news. There's one game that I wanted to talk about, and that is the deluxe edition of Snowdonia that is now on Kickstarter. This is a Tony Boydell game. So essentially what you're doing in this game is you are trying to build a train way, whatever, through this this, uh, mountain. And you're trying to do that by a worker placement style game and multiple people can try to clear off the same spot. So it's kind of a race of sorts as well. This is a cool game. It's been out of print for a bit and it's definitely one that I've wanted to check out. So that's Snowdonia. Go check that out on Kickstarter. I think there's about 27 days left as of this recording, maybe less. So you still have some time. So go check that out. Another couple things I wanted to say is I wanted to... Make sure that all of you who listen to the podcast only and don't know about our Facebook or YouTube page, go check those out because there's some great content on there. So our Facebook page is facebook.com backslash The Board Game Mechanics. Um, and it has everything from pictures to random announcements to some giveaways. Anything we post on our YouTube channel will also be over there as well. So you just stay up to date. Um, whenever we drop a new episode, we pin it to the top of the page so you can check that out. And our YouTube channel, since we only have 51 subscribers, we're not quite big time enough to have our name. So if you're interested in that, you can go to our Facebook page and there will be links to that. And we also have an Instagram, and that is BoardGameMechanics at Instagram. Um, I'm usually posting on there a lot. I think Joel may do it occasionally, but I know I post every game that I play on there and then some other random musings, if you will. So, yeah, Instagram. We also have a Twitter. It's at BGMEX. It's not something that I usually update a lot just because I don't really love Twitter. So, but yeah, if you want to find us there, you can check us out. I do post on, try to post on there every few days or so just to make sure that people don't forget about us. So, yeah, check out our Facebook, our YouTube channel, and our Instagram for sure. Give us a like and a follow if you dig our pro- our program. Um, and as always, you can go check us out at bgmechanics.com, and that'll take you to our Facebook, or not Facebook, our podcast page and you can listen to all of our episodes so far i think we have 24 full episodes and a few interview episodes and then we're going to have this sort of least worst of or whatever you want to call it we're going to have this on there as well so yeah so go check us out we would love to get more followers to our page we just love doing this it's a great time uh joel's not here to speak for himself so i'll speak for him i know he's having a blast and if he could be here now he would so Yeah, Joel's with us in spirit for sure. There's one little bit that's been unreleased that I'm going to throw at the front of this. Um, This is an interview from Origins that I did with Sean from Van Ryder Games. And the reason it didn't get included on our Origins interview episode is because I don't know how to push record. So he went through this awesome spiel about the graphic novel adventure books, and I didn't get any of it except for like a book and a half. So just know that I asked him a question. He did an awesome pitch. And now we're going to start with, I think there's two books that he gets to touch on it here at the end. So enough of me. Let's go to Sean. Sean. mode because Sherlock Holmes makes fun of him and chides him and says hey like if you would have known what you were doing you would have gone to this panel but Sherlock being a narcissist gets no help because he doesn't need it from anybody so it makes the game a little harder uh, and last but not least we have Your Town uh, which is almost like a euro, the way it works out, that you actually build a town out and kind of parse it from there. As you're exploring the graphic novel, you find money, new sources of income, things like that. And you can do the classic things like have a shootout with a gang outlaws like you were in Tombstone. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Hey, Joel here. I'm with Filker uh, Tom, who is a local uh, artist here at here at uh, Origins game festival and he's got a piece that we're going to
2: listen to here (laughs) this is actually dedicated to the movie that just came out a few weeks ago and the predecessor movie that came out in 2012 if you go out to the movie show you'd better not go alone but do go out to the movie show no reason to stay at home For every superhero that was, we'll pound on Loki simply because today's the day we're going to see Avengers. The Tesseract or Cosmic Cube, it never will be enough. Cause Steve's naive but not a rube and Iron Man's really tough. The Widow's clever, Hawkeye is rash, Thor's live forever, Hulk will just smash, today's today we're going to see Avengers. Popcorn time for Avengers, the mighty Avengers will assemble for everyone today. Watch them fighting aliens, defending Manhattan in a most destructive way. Bashing giant silverfish, designed by Yeager when he was drunk on Tullamore two. We've never seen such an amazing superhero film before, nor will we again tell Avengers 2. So, if you go out to the movie show, be bolder and do not yield. Just armor up and rosin your bow, me owner and mighty shield. And just before you're ready to go, have Natasha stomp on Bruce Banner's toe. Then run like Hector the multiplex, will laugh, will scream. They got us the dream, all thanks to Joss, the movie is boss. They're buff, they're ripped. they got a good script. Maria Hill, her jumpsuit she'll fill, and Samuel L., and Coulson, oh well. It's <sighs> <Perfect. sighs> greater than mere mortals can ken. And look, there's Thanos right at the end. And when it's done, for Shwama we'll run, and talk for hours how it was such fun. Today's the day we're going to see Avengers Oh, Filker Tom. Rhymes with milk. Filk, filker Tom dot <laughs> com. Check him out. Thank tom? you, Tom. Oh, you're very welcome. Take care.
1: I, I'm really hoping that my wife listens to this podcast. So we have a like date night this weekend. Um, I'm going to slyly put this on and just remind her that there's only like 12 <laughs> days left in the uh, Dinosaur Island Kickstarter
0: put on some sexy music in the background of the Board Game Mechanics podcast. Yeah, like... <laughs> uh, yeah, it,
1: listen, if that happens, it's because I edited it for my own specific purposes.
0: <laughs> hey, you do what you gotta do, man, to get some Dinosaur Island in your life. Some baby
1: face in the background on this.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, so... Uh, and derailed. I felt really
1: bad about the yokohama thing that i didn't know yokohama is a uh, female a woman oh yeah yeah but but I'll, i'm gonna i'll do that story with this one i was listening to npr tonight and they were talking to the to the actor who plays cc on on uh new girl and she's from mm-hmm. india like she's indian And the lady on NPR goes, "So your character is Native American, then, right?" And I thought, "Oh man," (laughs) she thought she couldn't say Indian because it wasn't politically correct, but like that's what her character is—it's Indian. So I felt like I felt like I was like really mildly misinformed compared to that. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's NPR too. Like I'm guessing at least like one and a half or two times as many people listen to NPR as our podcast. So I mean, (laughs) yeah. How embarrassing for her? Yeah. I'm here with uh, Philip DeBerry, and uh, I think, Philip, you have the uh, unfortunate distinction of being what I would call the uh, most underrated game designer in modern board game design, (laughs) which I guess is kind of a mixed blessing there a little bit. Um, I really do love all your game designs. I think they're all really excellent. Um, But I I don't know that you're uh, quite in that felt category yet. I I think you will be with some of your upcoming projects and some of the stuff I've been playing lately, Um, but I think, uh, man, it's just a crime that Revolution, for one, is not more played than it is. But anyway, some some games that you guys may know Philip from include uh, Black Orchestra, which is pretty hot right now. Revolution that I just mentioned, Courtier, uh, Spirits of the Rice Paddy, um, Kingdom of Solomon, Battle Cruisers, and then we've got a couple upcoming games coming up here too, Philip, with uh, Embark and Rice Dice. And I guess I'm pretty excited to talk to you about Rice Dice. Um, I, I have played a little of the uh, Spirits of the Rice Paddy and Rice Dice looks like it's a really cool implementation of that with a sort of a, I guess, just addition of dice and making it a little more streamlined.
3: Uh, what else can you tell me about that? No, yeah, it's um, it's it definitely tries to. Um, first of all, thank thanks for all the, the kind words. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, a um, Spirits of the Rice Paddy is you know about an hour and a half, kind of pretty heavy experience. And um, so with the dice game, it gets it's about 45 minutes to an hour or something like that, and yeah. usually less than an hour. And uh, and yet you get to do a lot of the same things that you do in the board game, but it's all kind of condensed down and, and it's on a lot fewer cards. But we've been able to retain a lot of the feeling of the, uh, the bigger game, but just kind of in a smaller time. Obviously, not everything comes over, but uh, enough so that you can get a really good taste of it.
1: Yeah, I I looked at a preview of this, um, and first thing that struck me was the size of the dice that they had in the prototype. Uh, It just looked like nice, chunky, high-quality dice. So that really got me excited to start with. And then one part in Spirits of the Rice Paddy that I think really makes that game is the card play. And I feel like you were able to keep that part of the game really present in Rice Dice, it, it seems.
3: Right. Yeah. And that, I think that was important. You know, it is spirits of the rice patty. So it's like that's that's an important element. And getting all those those special abilities to kind of jive with one another, I think, is is a big part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, when does that go live on Kickstarter? All I know is the end of March sometime. So I'm not exactly sure what day it is, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen before April. Okay, so look
1: for that yet this month. And I will definitely be looking for that. The uh the only mixed emotions I have about that is it looks like a really rich game uh to play that can I can toss in my like luggage this summer for vacation. And I don't think I'll quite get my copy for summer vacation, but it, it'll be there for summer vacation twenty nineteen, I guess. Uh yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, it really does look like a really great game. Um is there is there uh I mean, has this been in development for, for quite a while, or is this something that just kind of,
3: yeah, no, well, I mean, it's, it's been at least, it's been at least a a year or two. Um, Now we've not been like working on it every single day of that time, but um, we first started talking about it. I I really feel like it was like a year and a half or two years ago, something like that. And then we just kind of keep coming back to it and refining and playing more and refining. And, and now this last uh, six months or so, we've really been able to kind of focus and, and um, even even now, we're making just these last little fine-tuning um, uh, little little tweaks to it, and uh, to get it all nice and ready for uh, the Kickstarter.
1: One other really nice thing about this game, too, is it feels like you were able to get the whole team back together. So Spirits of the Rice Paddy has a feel and look to it, and that's very present in Rice Dice as well. Uh, Pretty obvious that you guys use the same kind of care and love
3: towards this game that you did Spirits of the Rice Paddy, for sure. Everybody that was involved in the first game is on for this one, too. So, yeah, that's been nice. Fantastic. Uh, Now,
1: when people mention Philip DeBerry, I think – Pretty quickly after that, people mentioned Revolution. Uh, I think that's still probably your, your opus at this point, although I'm going to guess, I'm making a prediction here for you. I think Black Orchestra is going to be a huge hit for you, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I really do. I just love that game. But more about that later. I'll, I'll, I'll rant about it for like 20 minutes when we're not in this interview later in this episode, probably. So I, I just tend to do that every week because I just love that game. But uh, Revolution's kind of where it all started for you then, I, I believe. Uh, if I remember correctly, if I, I was reading through like some of the information that I I've was able to find about you, uh, that you basically were selling this as a self-published game and Steve Jackson kind of caught wind of it and, and it became kind of what it is now is that about accurate yeah that's pretty
3: close yeah I was I uh, this was like about 10 years ago or so now and uh so uh this is the this is the first game I ever made that other people actually wanted to play uh which was <laughs> pretty amazing for me so I knew something special was happening so um I uh, I bought a bunch of materials and handmade like 30 copies of this game which is just ridiculous but that's what I did and sold them <laughs> on the internet And uh, Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games happened to buy one. I had no idea who he was. I barely knew who Steve Jackson Games was. And he calls me up and says, we'd like to make your game. So I've since learned that that really just doesn't happen. So (laughs) it's just one of those weird things.
1: Well, and then Steve Jackson, too, is a really unlikely company, it feels like, to publish a a Euro game like that. Um, It doesn't really match their brand much. And so I know I've introduced this game to people and they've they've gone out and bought copies because they thought it was such a great game, and they said, "Man, I'm really glad you introduced that to me because just the Steve Jackson name on the box was a deterrent to me, and I mean, like I know you can't badmouth the guy who gave you a break in the business and stuff and i and I mean Steve Jackson has an empire, and he does really great stuff, but just revolution feels so different than most of what he well, does it's like
3: at, at the at the time, I think they had an idea of maybe going more in that direction, they were still trying to to, to i guess find you know a little bit different of a spot in the market but since then i think they they figured out that they they need to be pretty much munchkin centric yeah they've got some other things too you know they get the ogre and the car wars and things like that right and some of the some of the classic stuff as well um and so i know i just kind of came together right at this moment when they were kind of looking to maybe go a different direction they ended up really not going that direction but uh I mean, they're still one of the, I think, most solid companies in the business today. Just the way that they they professionally approach everything and handle everything, um, it, it seems like they got their house really well in order, and uh, so they they've been fun to work with over all these years. Absolutely, and the thing that
1: everyone comes away from that game with is they really love it, and they end up buying a copy a lot of the times when I introduce that game. The second thing they always say is this isn't this is a industry standard for player shields oh, like yeah, all player absolutely. shielding boards should be <laughs> like that so absolutely they're they're really amazing uh, components in that game honestly uh, so courtier or courtier, right. I guess we say here in the states um, it feels a little like um, it has some crossover with revolution I mean enough that if you 've played revolution and you played and you 've played courtier. You would say, Oh, I could see where the same guy designed that. Um, I guess, is that just uh, you influenced yourself or you had some ideas from evolution, like kind of still inside you? Or were there ideas for
3: revolution that kind of came out in Courier, or how did that happen? Yeah, I can't say that there was really a whole lot of uh, crossover that I just absolutely thought about. But I mean, you know, looking back now, it's like, yeah, you can sort of see the kind of the same DNA. Um, The thing that I really like, and you can see this in even some of my other games. Is I like this big um, board state that's really confusing looking, and and you just have to look over all this mess and figure out the the answer to the the puzzle. You know, it's like, oh, how am I going to make this work for me? Yeah, and uh, I think you see that in Revolution. You see that in uh, Cordier and some of my other games too. And I, I just really like doing that, and uh, so that that's kind of that's just kind of I think one of my one of my. Uh, the, the style that uh, I go for a lot of times. Okay. Moving on to black orchestra. I just got my copy of black
1: orchestra. I did the second printing of this game and I was waiting for my pre-order, like no other game I've waited for, for a long time. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I guess what I'll just say is my background with this game is I hope I don't get in trouble with my dad here, but on the back of the toilet, we had a copy of Bonhoeffer's <laughs> Cost of Discipleship there. Yeah, that's so good. that's the kind of background I had for mm-hmm. connecting with this game. And uh, so I guess my question is this. Did your love of Bonhoeffer develop this game? Your love of history? What made this game happen? How did this get created? What happened with you that this was a thing?
3: Yeah, I, I think that probably all of the above is, is the right answer. But it is... It, it was uh, Eric McTexas's, uh Bonhoeffer biography that just really put me over the line for wanting to do a game like that. Now I've, I've sort of been a, a history buff, you know, my whole life and been interested in, in the world war two stories in particular, and, you know, the rise of Hitler and all of that. And, you know, it's just such a, such a stark good versus evil kind of story, at least the, you know, yeah. the way we look at it. And, uh, and so that, you know, that's, sort of has captured my imagination from, you know, since I was a kid. And um, I, I guess I had recently been reading some more things about that. Um, I'd read uh, Albert Speer's book, which you sort of need to take with a grain of salt, but it's kind of a, an eerie sort of look at the inside of how some of that stuff hmm. worked. And uh, But then to read the Bonhoeffer book, which is just absolutely a, an amazing book, Even even if you're not a Christian, I think you would really enjoy that book. And uh, it's, it's a page-turner. It's it's a, uh, a just an exciting and dramatic story. And um, and so, you know, I just got my mind going that I, I could make a game like this. And I needed to this, – this could work as a, as a good subject matter.
1: And I just love that there's a potential that Bonhoeffer's story is going to get out there a little more. So I, this game, to me, um, when you try and explain some of the mechanics to people, it's like you can't really – give the whole experience of the game to them um, for me and my experience of it. I I mean, I sat down and played this game and it just moved me in a way that was, I've not really been moved by a game this way in a long time. Um, So these event cards would flip and the way how the different tracks would be manipulated and how they related to these real historical events, just the way how it made me understand and have just such a deeper sense of empathy for what these people were trying to do as a part of this resistance movement and just how their opportunities were so few and how things had to have lined up just the right way to try and make Project Valkyrie or the Black Orchestra be successful. Yeah. Just all that
3: comes so alive in this game. Uh, I absolutely love it. And the, you know that's that's really what, what I was after. I mean, I wanted players to have um, – I wanted players to have that those some of those same conversations that the real people involved might have had, you know, and to have some of those same feelings and the, the kind of the same emotions, and um, and so, I, so yeah, that's absolutely what it, what I was going for, and uh, you know, I, I think it it sort of worked out that way. Absolutely,
1: just love this game. It's my favorite co op game right now, and I'm gonna say that this game, like, I lost sleep over it because I was thinking about like playing it again. Like that's the kind of <laughs> influence it had on my mind and my thinking i just absolutely love it uh it's so good uh so and i can tell it was a labor of love uh that you definitely put your heart and soul into it too i mean you just you can feel it i mean it just feels like art it feels like board games as art um so how long was that game in development how long were you working on that
3: you know i think that's probably the game i've worked on the longest of any of them and yeah um, and you know worked on it the longest, you know, it's like not just had to wait the longest for it to be published. I did wait a very long time for it to be published, but, um, but I mean, we, we hammered and hammered and hammered on that thing. So, um, I, uh, sometimes that doesn't, you know, that doesn't always work out, but I think it, it may have worked out in this case.
1: It shows in the final product, in my opinion, I feel like you are going to have people just i don't know it's <laughs> it's your current opus i think hopefully right like rice dice will be your opus and like it'll be backed on kickstarter for like a billion dollars or something but i mean uh, i absolutely just love black orchestra i and i own several of your games um and and this one just uh the thing i like about your designs so much are they are usually pretty unique i mean there's just i don't know um some designers get ragged on for, you know, you get a feel for their games. But your games all have such different feel to them. You know, Kingdom of Solomon, Battle Cruisers, uh, Courtier, Black Orchestra, they're all so different. So I think that really just speaks to, I guess, the genius you have as a board game designer. Um, well, it speaks to, uh, you know, wanting to do something different every time. <laughs> so then Embark, um, there's not a lot of information about this one out yet. I just know that TMG has release cover art for it. And they've basically said, this isn't going to be a Kickstarter. We're just going to go straight to press with that. Um, what can you tell me about Embark, I guess?
3: Well, I think you're actually going to see some similarities between this and Revolution as well. I mean, we have the uh, the bidding screens up again, and uh, this is sort of me trying to, uh, you know, grab some of those things and re-implement them in a different way. There's some area control in there and but um, the idea of the game is you're trying to uh, load people onto ships and take them off to these islands and try to colonize the islands. And so, um, so the thing is, you've got a little board in front of you that correspond to all the ships that are available. And all the ships are kind of randomized, and they have different amounts of space and different jobs on them. And so you're putting all your little workers on uh, which ships you think you want to get onto, and then everybody raises their mm. shields up. And then you have to try to actually get onto the boats. And then once you get on the boats, then you have to get onto the island. And where you are in the boat sort of tells you what you do when you get to the island. And then there's uh, kind of some scoring based on that. So really, it's a, it's a pretty simple, quick kind of thing. But, but very much kind of in that same sort of uh, feel, I think.
1: That sounds fantastic, honestly. Now, when the design process comes to you, is it more generally like a lightning strike where you have something just break free in your brain and you're like, oh man, I've got to start writing things down. Or does, does inspiration come to you gradually and from different places? How does that work yeah, for yeah, you? A
3: lot of times it does kind of happen like that. You know, I'll, I'll get up in the middle of, of the night and have, you know, start taking notes before <laughs> I forget what I was thinking about. And that happens sometimes that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And a lot of times, you know, I'm reading a book or watching a movie or something. I think, oh, that, that would be a pretty cool thing. Huh. And so, uh, the, you know, pretty much pretty it anywhere or, or every once in a while, I think, oh, what if a game did this? You know, and then you go the mechanics way of it. But, um, yeah, sometimes it just sort of hits you or there was a game maybe that you sort of worked on a long time ago and it didn't work out. But then one day it just clicks and you think, I know how to solve that problem now. And you grab it back out and you can. Make yeah, it I
1: I had a game come to me kind of like the lightning strike thing. I, I worked on it. For a weekend without hardly breaking from designing it, I got to my first play test. We got a quarter away through the game in six hours. So I mean, like, uh, it can be frustrating, I guess, sometimes to think this is going to really work, and then people find all these crazy loopholes and things that you just have to go fix. So, how much do your designs typically change from from their inception to the final product? Is is there, you know, a, a process there where you may not recognize the game, or is it? You know, usually pretty finished. How does that work for you and your experience?
3: Well, I mean, uh, as you said, all my games are quite different, and the experience of uh, getting them to the final version is a lot different as well. So it sort of depends on, you know, the game. Um, like a, a little game like uh, Battle Cruisers or something like that. I mean, that came pretty, that was one of those Lightning Strike games yeah. that just sort of came to me and uh, really didn't change a whole lot. Um, it did a little bit. We added a few things and, and But, um, I mean, um, so, you know, I think, um, by the time that I actually get like a prototype down, um, it's pretty close to something that I think is going to work and it doesn't always work, but if it does work, then, um, and and of course it depends on the, the publisher too. Sometimes publishers like have kind of a specific place in their catalog that they need a game or they need to be a different kind of theme or something like that. Um. But, you know, sometimes uh, we don't have to do as much, but then other times it's kind of a lot. So it just sort of just sure. depends.
1: Sure. That that makes sense. Uh, now, one more serious question. That I'm going to give you a couple of goofy ones that we can have some fun with. Um, what designs from other designers have impacted or influenced your designs? Has there been a game out there that you played and you go, whoa, that's
3: that's really something? Well, I, I guess I have to say that... Uh, dominion has always been one of my favorites and that that just sort of changed my whole idea of you know what was possible and and just the the feel that you could get playing a game um i like the game innovation Mm. um and by carl Chuddick and that that also uh i know i've spent lots and lots of time just like trying to figure out what in the world (laughs) makes that game work um yeah even even a game like splendor I, i was really taken with splendor for a while and just you know, I, I understand it's a pretty simple kind of game, but but the thing that you know is is keeping my attention is you know just this question of why is this fun? You know, what what is this yeah. what is it about this thing that that's that's pulling me in? I mean, it's such a simple thing. There's really not much to it, and yet, and so you know, I've I've thought a lot about some of those games and um, and are continuing to think about that, and uh, so yeah, that definitely some big influences. I, I
1: definitely can see where. Um... Those, those simple, just fun games that just work uh, could influence your designs because I see that in yours as well. Um, well, great. Okay, so now let's go to this, some just silly, weird questions here,
3: okay? So if animals could talk, which one would be the rudest? <laughs> the rudest? Um, I don't know, maybe like uh, warthogs or something? or <laughs> oh, Definitely warthogs. Maybe, maybe raccoons, actually. I, I have a particular <laughs> hatred for raccoons these days. You must have an outdoor trash can or something. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, I don't know. They they crawl around on my deck at night. Yeah.
1: All right. In, uh, in 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for?
3: I don't know. Probably the, the quaintness of sitting in front of a screen and seeing it, you know, with their eyes and not having yeah. something implanted into them or something. I don't know. <laughs> right.
1: Their flesh and bone bodies, not their cyborg implants that they have anymore yeah i hope i'm wrong about that because that sounds horrible it does absolutely it does well thank you for your time uh rice dice gonna be on kickstarter keep an eye out for that guys it looks like an excellent little game uh coming out here sometime in march and then also later this year i hope i would think uh embark is going to be around um any other
3: projects you want to mention i I probably should mention um that uh Kingdom of Solomon is kind of coming back as a game called Wisdom of Solomon and it's going to be like totally revamped and that's actually going to be on Kickstarter probably in May. So that's another one kind of coming up. Great. I will look for that. Well, I appreciate your time
1: um, and look for those Kickstarters, guys. Do yourself a favor. Great designer. Great guy. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: all right so that was the least worst of the board game mechanics i hope you dug it and hopefully next week joel will be back and we'll get this show back to the normal amount of zaniness and boy meets world talk that you're used to so bear with us this week gave it a few sp- listens anyway so we don't feel like it was a waste of a week so yeah hope you dug that partial sean from van Ryder interview i know it wasn't much but he at least got to hear about one of the graphic novel adventure books. So, yeah, hey, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next week.